Welcome to the Talking Security Podcast. We will talk about items related to Microsoft security. Hi, welcome again to a new episode of the Talking Security Podcast. This is, is the first episode in a brand new series. My previous series on Defender for Endpoints had ended. To wrap that series up, I'll try to do another recording with Microsoft MVP Jeffrey Apple. He's from the Netherlands. He has written a lot on that topic. But if, if you have questions, don't hesitate um, or other remarks, don't hesitate to, uh, to contact me. Um, let's see if we can cover that in that recording, but that will follow afterwards. But now, uh, a new series taking a deep dive into Microsoft Defender for Cloud. Uh, Defender for Cloud is not a standalone solution, uh, as probably most of the people know, but it's much, much more. Different guests, people from Microsoft, but also uh, people from the field we will take you into that area. Uh, solutions such as Defender for Service, Defender for Containers, Defender for DevOps, etc., etc., will be covered in this series. But first, I want to introduce some new co-host that is on this uh, this series, uh, Puyan. Puyan, maybe you can have a little introduction of yourself. Yeah, thank you, Franz. Yes, my name is Puyan Kabazi. Uh, I'm the co-host on this uh, series of Defender for Cloud. Um, well, on this series, we would love to introduce the, the whole idea behind cloud and cl how cloud security looks like on cloud. Uh, I have a background on automation, DevOps, security, and cloud. So it's a main mix of uh, different uh, backgrounds. Um, I'm also the co-founder and director at Advanced Security. Nice, thank you. And uh, together we have a very special guest for the introduction of Defender for Cloud. I'm happy uh, to be, uh, to have you in the show, uh, Rod. Maybe uh, you can have a little little introduction of yourself. Let's see. Hmm. I'm Rod Trent. I am a cloud security advocate at Microsoft. Um, so kind of a weird title. It's literally just a program manager, but in advocacy, if I could say that effectively. Um, one of the things that I do at Microsoft, obviously, is what we're doing here, and that's talking about cloud security. I'm I, uh, I, I don't know how to deal with this just a little bit since I'm the first guest. I guess I kind of have to set the bar. I'll set it really, really low for everybody else. So thank you for having me. We'll see how I can accomplish it. Yeah, and, and um, I talked to some, some, some guys here in the Netherlands, and um, you're a long-time Microsoft team. Uh, well, uh, well, I'll tell you the truth. Um, I'm not. Uh, I... I have been actually, what is today? The 11th. Okay. So four days, four days from now, I will celebrate my fourth birthday at Microsoft. So I've been at Microsoft for four years. Prior to Microsoft, I worked alongside Microsoft in a number of ways. Uh, some folks might, if you're old enough, you might remember a event called my, uh, the Microsoft Management Summit, which was obviously about system center and, and Microsoft management endpoints and things like that, which uh, eventually got merged into Microsoft Ignite along with TechEd and some other events. But um, 
like I said, I, I've worked alongside Microsoft for most of my career with Microsoft um, as a Microsoft employee for the past four years. But I kicked myself every single day thinking about all the opportunities I had to join Microsoft. All I had to do was move to Seattle at some point, and I turned it down all those years. I guess kind of really had to wait for just the right time, but still, um, I wish I had done it a long time ago. Yeah, but it's great to have you. But also in the community, you still uh, you was active and you're still active. Um, so also uh, participating in this uh, in this recording, but also uh, we talked a little bit about uh, your own uh, recording that you do, your own webcast, uh, Microsoft Security Insights. Yeah. Uh, so every Wednesday evening, um, Eastern Time, 5 p.m., uh, sometimes 4 p.m., sometimes 5, depends on our guests. We, the Microsoft Security Insights show goes for about an hour, hour and a half sometimes, just depending on how deep we get into discussions. We have guests every week talking about the Microsoft Security stack, all the way from Defender stuff to the new threat intelligence stuff to Sentinel, obviously, Microsoft Defender for Cloud. Um, but we've been running this series for almost three years. So we're up to 150 some episodes last month we had oh my goodness it was amazing we had a women in cybersecurity month last month i don't know if anybody recognized that or not we had some big names on there and johnson uh vasu jakal uh, maria thompson um, some folks other folks from um, government microsoft government and things like that just to talk about women in cybersecurity diversity and stuff like that it was a super month this month we are in the lead up to RSA, the RSA conference, which happens in San Francisco at the end of the month. We are having what's called MISA month, uh, the Microsoft Intelligent Security Association, which is the partner association for Microsoft Security. Um, we are having episodes this month, all month this month. Yep, MISA. It's MISA month. We have a lot of sure. co-partners to talk to. So you have to search uh, for the Security Insights uh, webcast, and uh, yep. let's let's have a look on that. But uh, ChatGPT and OpenAI, um, very interesting topic. Uh, security Copilot, uh, maybe uh, do have a, a probably we can we can have a, a discussion on that later. Uh, I can uh, I can give you uh, one short sentence on everything. Um, <laughs> okay, two sentences. Number one. Best practice, don't use the public chat GPT. Uh, Microsoft has their own implementation, uh, Cognitive Services, Azure OpenAI, which has access to chat GPT at 3.5 Turbo and also 4.0, um, which enables customers and enterprises to actually use the guardrails of Azure. If you're using the public version, you just it's kind of like the Wild West. You don't know where's that API stream going, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but if you use the uh, Microsoft version, Again, you're going to have that Microsoft security implemented and part of it, and you can take advantage of that. That's super awesome. You mentioned Security Copilot. I'm going to be very quick and terse on that one. Uh, how best? It, it's going to be great. Yeah. That's definitely. all I'll say on that. Every And everybody's waiting to just get their fingers on it, right? <laughs> I had a question today, <laughs> just minutes before this, um, our time together today. Someone asked me, said, hey, can I get access to Copilot? Yeah. That was it. And I said, "Is what do you mean? Um, Bing Copilot, Office Copilot, Security Copilot. Uh, what else do we have now? Oh, the Office Copilot. I already said Office Copilot. There's one other one. GitHub Copilot. Oh, and yeah, because it, 
unfortunately, um, I, I think in this instance, we've not been very clear and communicative about our Azure AI services and how Copilot fits into that. Um, it's going to be super awesome. It's just it's it's just not ready yet, right? It's still going. It's still in preview. It's not ready for public consumption. I mean, I'm sure it is ready for public consumption, but we're not going to do it until it's time. So, amazing. So let's let let's dive in some uh, cloud background, Puyon. Um, let's see if we can uh, can get some questions for Rod uh, for Defender for Cloud. Yeah, I think we, we are we already kicked off with a lot of cloud stuff. Uh, we immediately went to the AI part. We skipped uh, the whole cloud. That everybody does these days. <laughs> everybody. That's the first question out of everyone's mouth. Yeah. yeah. But I think in, in general, it, it's good to 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 put out, uh, and I'm also curious about how you see that, Rod, is what is cloud and how is that changing um the whole IT infrastructure? before we dive in to see how we can protect it or detect what's happening there. Yeah. Um, well, well, I think it kind of, I think it'll help at least for those listening, maybe those that aren't kind of cloud savvy at the moment to kind of understand what the history of this cloud thing is. I had to actually go back and look myself at when this was. I, I mentioned the Microsoft Management Summit earlier that I've been, I was part of for years. It was, I had to go look this up. It was 2009 when Microsoft came out at the Microsoft Management Summit of all places and said at Microsoft, we're all in and we're all in this cloud thing. And everybody just kind of looked at them and scratched their heads and like, we don't know what this cloud thing is. Could you please explain it to us? Um, and, and, I, and I think even in that respect over, and that was 2009, right? So we're 10 years plus. The cloud is kind of a significant investment. It's a significant value uh, for our customers, but there's still customers that don't quite understand it. And, and the reason why I say that, I, I was having a discussion earlier today, um, listening to someone say that some customers are actually have gone to the cloud and some are actually moving back from the cloud, right? Moving back on premises. Um, I, I think in some respects, customers get a misapprehension about what the cloud is. The cloud is a way to migrate and utilize sources in the cloud where you, you know it's better security, um, better availability, kind of centralized for all the users to be able to access and things like that. Um, but what a lot of customers have done is they've taken their on-premise on-premises mentality and they've literally just taken it and stuck it in the cloud and expected it to work exactly the same as it did on premises. And by doing so, they've missed some things, right? It's it's not a great experience because they've missed some things in that migration, some gaps, some knowledge, there's knowledge gaps, there's skill gaps and all kinds of things. So again, it's not been a great experience. So they're trying to pull back just a little bit. Um, so the, the cloud actually gives us a, actually a better way of doing things. One of the best examples I can use just to have, you know, people listening kind of think about it. GPO, group policy, right? If you've used group policy, which initially was super amazing, gives you the ability to create policies around, you know, guidance for your organization, how IT should operate, how you can manage devices, users, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But over time, over those 20 plus years that you've used GPO on premises, 
uh, you have GPOs that negate other GPOs because you forgot that they were there, right? So you're, you've been, we've become tech technology hoarders at some point. Oh, I that GPO. I loved it. It worked great. I'm not getting rid of that one. Um, so over time, but moving to the cloud, instead of just taking all those GPOs and all those same policies and sticking them in the cloud, which kind of really creates a mess, um, what a lot of organizations should do is look at this migration, migrating workloads to the cloud as the ability and their chance to start fresh, start new, kind of start over, get rid of that hoarding kind of idea and concept that they're holding on to and do it better in the cloud because obviously with the cloud and, and how the cloud works, we can do things better. We can monitor things better. We can secure things better. Um, so it's, it's kind of a mentality change that customers kind of have to go through. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's amazing, Rob, because what, what you mentioned before was like regarding the GBT, be careful what you do with your data. You don't know what happens with it. And I, and I've always personally the feeling that once we are on the data center side and we talk, on zero trust, everybody goes to the networking and it is, uh, okay, we have it done. And one, But once it goes to the cloud, things change. And, yeah. and I, in my opinion, even how we use ChatGPT is part of that. It's also a cloud uh, solution in that sense. And we should treat it as a cloud. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, and security really kind of changes the, um, the way that things have have kind of worked on premises, somebody needs access to something, they complain enough, they're going to get access to it, probably too much yeah. access to it, right? And so again, we we find organizations are taking that same mentality and stick it in the cloud. And the cloud can be a little bit. Um, you think that security on premises can be tough and allowing people, you know, into that environment. In the cloud, this is a public entity. You have to put better security measures in place. Otherwise, the public's going to have access to your stuff, <laughs> right? And people with too much access, how do you know? How do you know you've given them too much access? You just have to be extremely careful. With it. Interesting. Exactly. Yeah, everything has a public IP and is like yeah. a storage account or, or a VM by default. It's all, of course, in that sense. And then, of course, we have also the, the fact that multi-cloud, the different cloud defenders mm -hmm. also plays a role. Yeah. Um, do we also see that with the, with the customers uh, that they are struggling with one maybe and that they are already in the, the second and the third cloud? Uh, a lot of those customers, yeah. And, and, and it really kind of boils down to how long the customer has been, uh, has had cloud implemented in their organization. The early days, right? Um, even before cloud was a term, Amazon was around. Amazon Web Services, right? It wasn't even cloud. It's Amazon Web Services. So a lot of organizations uh, and, and a, lot, a lot of companies, software vendors, created their solutions to work in one specific cloud or another. So a lot of our, a lot of the organizations that I know and that I've worked with, um, whether it's EDU or .gov or you know commercial or whatever. They'll use multi-clouds because that application that is a requirement for their operation works in only one or the other, right? Um, I find a lot of customers have found, at least though, that that um, from an identity pers identity perspective, Azure Active Directory is the identity they, that they want, and that's where they kind of invest their time because you know Azure Active Directory accounts are Office 365 accounts, and most every organization uses Office 365. 
Um, but they'll still use that identity to access things in AWS and, and GCP. And I think even IBM still has a cloud. I don't know what it's called, but uh, I think everybody has a cloud these days. So. I believe we have Alibaba even these days as a cloud. Yeah, yeah. Or, IBM, uh, Oracle still has a cloud. Uh, yeah. I, I think. It, yeah. So. Yeah, but cloud is just another one's computer in that's connected to the internet that you can use. Well, basically, kinda it is. Um, but cloud is kind of its own its own model. It's how those services and things, how they function. It's a little bit different. So if I tried to run cloud services, if I tried to run a KQL query, Kusto query on um, my system, the way that I run it in Azure, it, it's going to barf at me because KQL requires, you know, the clustering services and things to be able to return data and very, very quickly because, we, you know, when we're monitoring for security purposes. Um, so it needs the cloud. So cloud actually provides that additional value other than just somebody else's computer. So. Yeah. Yeah, but what about, um, hey, you're mentioning um, on-prem, where we're coming from, um, where people are moving into the cloud uh, with yeah. the mindset of the on-prem uh, skill. Yeah. What, what about extending your on-prem environment within cloud, probably with another mindset, uh, hopefully, yeah. Uh, yep. But if we do that, what what challenges do we face? Well, you face similar challenges, right? Still from a security perspective, you're adding one additional thing that you have to monitor, right? Other than on-prem and cloud. And, and, and I would hesitate to probably say, but I think there are a lot of organizations. I, I don't, I'm positive there are organizations that are 100% cloud. But I'm also positive that that's not everybody, right? It's not a huge percentage of all cloud. There are people that still do things on premises, and, and it, that's just the way it's going to be, right? Um, so, again, they, they really kind of have to take the approach where you um, migrate things where it's necessary and only migrate things where it's, where it's necessary. You have a virtual machine that you've been running on premises. You don't want to have the expenditure for a new server with more storage and all this stuff. Hey, let's just spin up a VM and let's do it this way. That makes sense, right? So you kind of have this hybrid model where you're using the cloud. Eventually, my guess is they'll have this last VM running on-prem. They're like, ah, let's just move it to the cloud, right? Um, but still, um, do it where it makes sense. Uh, it's, there's some times, some, you know, it's, it's, it's unnecessary to do. I know a lot of people sometimes, even Microsoft folks, uh, we'll go into an account and say, "Got to move to the cloud. You got to do, you know." Um, but there's there's a lot more difficulty to it than just putting your thumb down and saying, "Yep, we're doing it today." There's a lot more to it. So, yeah, basically, if you if you're using a SaaS service or um, a service that can be yeah. used from the cloud, it's probably better to use it from a cloud service provider instead of having a VM. Uh, locally uh, running it locally instead of uh, running it on Azure or uh, Google or Amazon or whatever. Yeah. 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 And I would hesitate too. I mean, um, you think about the cloud as production workloads. If you want to spin something up, um, you know, in a test environment or something like this, uh, there's a lot of companies use the cloud for that. But, you know, if I'm thinking about it, I want to put something in place that's not going to impact too much. I have an old server sitting there. I'm going to spin up a VM and test something probably. It's going to take me extra time because I have to make sure that server works and all that good kind of stuff. But, you know. 
and and mostly from a security perspective, if I want to use a a Kali Linux machine, a machine, for example, in in Azure, it could be problematic sometimes if you are doing stuff that is not the purpose from an Azure because there is everything in in place to... to defend uh, on that platform uh, to do to, to have people on that with that sort of stuff that they can attack yeah um, customers or whatever yeah yeah well there's also you know if you use cloud services Azure and things there's a there's a way to kind of separate <laughs> that stuff and segregate right your test environment uh, you know versus your yeah your production environment stuff so. exactly and I think uh, to, to add to that, I think uh, it starts uh, the, the challenges regarding definitely security. It starts if you are having that Azure and SaaS solutions, and then you have on the data center you have your own environment. But the moment that you need to go over the private endpoints and private networking, then often what we what I see personally, then the security challenges start because then you are opening a SaaS solution. Mm. Or a path solution immediately to a networking, yeah. where yeah, and and then the challenges keep coming, like definitely from an Azure side because you trust that storage account to be accessible, but once there's a VM with a public IP also enrolled in that, it suddenly your network is internet bounded without you knowing anything about it. Yeah, well, and, and I think this really, and that's. I think that was a really good segue to talk about what our actual topic is today, which is Defender for Cloud. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, that's that's perfect because when customers, whether they're just kind of sticking their toe in the water and testing cloud or they're migrating workload after workload, the thing that I always suggest as best practice is turn on Defender for Cloud for every workload that you stick into the cloud. Because this, like I mentioned earlier, this migrating workloads to the cloud is this chance for that company, that organization to kind of figure out the cloud, figure out how to do security, a modern security properly. And, and one of the only ways to do that is to enable Defender for Cloud as you migrate each workload. Enable Defender for Cloud on that workload. And what that's going to accomplish is it's going to give you those guardrails. It's going to give you those guidelines. If you roll something out, a, vir- a virtual machine with ports that shouldn't be open, Defender for Cloud is going to tell you about it, right? It's going to give send an alert. It's going to say, hey, look, you could you could have done this better. So not only is it going to tell you and, and enable you to kind of close down those ports and, and deploy that thing securely because it's going to yell at you, but it's also a teaching tool, right? So as these organizations are migrating workloads to the cloud, instead of using that old mentality, Defender for Cloud is going to say, you know what? You could do that better. And if you do it better this time, you're going to remember to do it better next time. So anytime that you roll out a new workload, it's going to be rolled out under those recommendations. Um, because Defender for Cloud obviously applies Microsoft recommendations, right? Um, but it also supri- supplies industry recommendations and compliance and things like this, depending on what industry that the organization is in, healthcare, um, what's some other things. But yeah, we have compliance that compliance templates that can be applied across like any organization. And that kind of stuff, yeah. Yep. Exactly. So how is, is it like out of the box available Defender for Cloud? Is how, what does people need to do to, to get it onboarded? Uh, is that- yep, uh, with an Azure account and 
because obviously you're migrating things to Azure and not any any other cloud. Um, uh, yeah. What nice, were you gonna say something? No. Um, so you um, just go into the search and look for Defender for Cloud, right? And um, open up Defender for Cloud and then go into that initial screen. And if you've never opened it before, it's going to walk you through enabling the Defender plans that you want to enable, depending on what it is that you are deploying, what workload and what you will have within the cloud, what you will operate within the cloud. So we have, I don't know, I don't know the number of workloads that we have currently, but all the way from servers to containers, uh, to, um, storage accounts, Databases, whether it's SAS or PaaS, um, so there's there's all kinds of different workloads that you can enable. Yeah, there are a lot of defenders within Defender for Cloud, actually. There are um, a lot of customers. I think sometimes they're, you know, why do you have so many, or why do you keep adding more? In a perfect world, customers would use every single Azure service that we have. <laughs> They don't. Um, sometimes they're, you know, huge with database, SQL Server and things like that. Sometimes they just, you know, it's just VM servers and things like that. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit obvious. We have a lot of different workloads, but and they're separated and each workload costs, you know, something additional or there's a small price to it. But um, uh, this enables customers to select the one that they, you know, the workload that they have enabled within Azure. So. But for Amazing. Azure, it's really easy to put it on uh, uh, defender for cloud is not only for azure it can also manage uh, amazon google um is what is their difference between uh, def uh defending azure resources and the others uh no real difference in fact that's one of the things i think we've tried really hard at microsoft to accomplish is to provide this kind of multi-cloud hybrid type of model for all of our security solutions right um defender for cloud i think we'll talk about sentinel a little bit later but um in all of our defender stuff defender for you know every defender for everything um we'll have a defender for everything eventually i was i asked that would kind be of a good name for the next product <laughs> you would think right I asked the other day what um, we sh what features would and functions would be in a product called Defender for Time Travel. Who knows? I don't know. Or Defender for Time Machine. Because um, we will eventually uh, call everything Defender, I guess. I actually heard um, it's comical. We rebrand every, I don't know, three or four months, whether we need to or not. I don't know why. Azure Sentinel. <laughs> yeah. Ah. We, all, we all know Azure Sentinel, right? <laughs> so it's Microsoft Sentinel, right? Um, at this moment, yeah. At exactly. this moment, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's as far as I go with that. But I mean, uh, going on Defender for Cloud, it's interesting because it is indeed, uh, the cloud is in the name. and It is for yeah. Azure and it's for multi-cloud. But it's also for on-prem, right? You yeah. mentioned SQL, for example. But it's um, also for your servers, I yeah. believe. It's for servers, right? Um, so any server that you have on-premises, um, obviously, the Azure Arc agent also has to be installed. For those that aren't familiar, the Azure Arc agent is an agent that ties or at least gives the conduit ability to be able to tie on-prem with cloud. Everybody remembers the old... Windows Server Manager, this, you know, the old MMC snap-in console thing where you can manage all servers across your environment. Um, 
Azure Arc enables customers to do the same thing. One single console to manage all servers, no matter where they are, uh, AWS, um, GCP, Azure, on-premises, and what have you. That's what that, that, that agent is for. So with the Azure Arc agent installed with, to provide that management plane, then yes, you can install Defender for Cloud on the servers uh, for on-premises. Um, obviously for workstations and things like that, we have Defender for Endpoint and Intune and things like that. But yeah, Defender for Cloud is for the servers. Yeah, and that's 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 a nice topic for the next recording uh, where we have uh, uh, one of the specialists uh, within the Defender for Server team. Uh, we'll, we'll, we will catch up with him uh, to see if we can have a, a more deep dive on that. Um, what is, uh, you're already mentioning uh, Sentinel. Mm -hmm. um, we have Defender for Cloud, uh, multiple defenders within Defender. Uh, what? Why should I use Sentinel in addition to Defender for Cloud? So I look at um, these different products as providing different capabilities, right? Uh, again, it's, it's the same model we have here with Defender for Cloud, all those different workloads. You apply the proper workload to the proper, the proper service. Um, Defender for Cloud, in one of the best descriptions I can give for what it is, is that it, it's a recommendation engine. It's going to surface and produce alerts based on some of those security misconfigurations we talked about. So it's not necessarily kind of this centralized, what people are familiar with, a security information event management system or a SIEM or SIM, however you pronounce it. It's going to produce alerts to enable customers to educate them on how to deploy securely, right? So it's going to pro provide those recommendations on how to do that. Um, Defender for Endpoint obviously is going to, you know, help defend um, for those those customer devices. Defender for Identity is going to work with uh, user accounts and things like that. So everything kind of has its mode and what it, it works with. Sentinel, on the other hand, um, what is this, Tuesday? It is Tuesday. So tonight, um, one of my favorite TV shows of all time will be on. It's called The Curse of Oak Island, right? Um, there's these two brothers. They grew up reading this story, this, this legend about this um, Templar treasure that's buried on an island in Nova Scotia called Oak Island, right? People have been searching for this treasure for 300 years. Um, we're in the 10th season. Uh, I think they're getting ready to end the season next week is probably the last one for this season. So we'll, we'll absolutely be in 11th season. They found things, they've just not found it all. But what they do is they bring in these huge uh, pieces of equipment, right, that, that dig up the earth. I'm looking for this thing. I'm just going to get these huge backhoes, everything, and dig up the earth. What they do with that dirt, all that those big mounds of dirt, is they take that dirt and they shove it through what's called a sluice box. If you're familiar with what a sluice box is, um, it literally takes the earth runs water through it and through these little filters, it throws out the big stuff and, and, you know, retains all the stuff that they're actually looking for the, the treasure or gems, what, whatever it happens to be. That's what Sentinel does for us. Right. So we have these great, these awesome tools like defender for cloud that has all works with all these different workloads. We have defender for endpoint, defender for identity, defender for everything. They do a very specific job. 
Then we filter it into Microsoft Sentinel. Sentinel looks through that, filters through it, and finds the things that potentially um, the other things couldn't find because there's some new threat that's been identified within the past 24 hours. Um, so there's going to be detections and indication. It works like a, um, a, a standard modern scene, security information event management system. The other thing that it does, Defender for Cloud has um, one, two, I pulled it up, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight workloads right now. All right. Um, and that's the things that it works with and in and in AWS, GCP and stuff like that. And of course, all the other Defender stuff. But Defender for Endpoint doesn't work with Cisco devices or Palo Alto devices. Right. You still need to be able to filter your entire environment into something into this sluice box and connect it with everything else, all these other Defender products. So when something is exposed as potentially dangerous or harmful within your environment, whatever it happens to be, it's going to be able to tie the entire storyline together from user opened an email. They probably shouldn't. It, it was all capitals. Nobody does that. They clicked on a link that they probably shouldn't. We've told them not to click on stupid links. They went out to a website that, you know, they probably wouldn't have visited. Something in the background downloaded and installed on their system and sat dormant for three months because that's the way threat actors do these days. Sat dormant for three months and then it just got all the user's information of where they log in and, you know, took over that user account. It's going to tell that entire story because we have it connected to the entire environment through our sluice box. If that makes that's sense. Amazing, uh, amazing comparison. That's, that's, I think, one of the best ways that I have heard it uh, being explained, Rod. Thanks for that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. So going, I think, a step back is, is um, once if we are talking about Defender for Cloud, so you utilize it as an enrichment for Sentinel. Mm -hmm. um, what What's, in your opinion, the most... Uh, uh, most interesting uh, uh, solution from Defender for Cloud? Ah, the most interesting. Or are you asking what what produces the most interesting things? Um, uh, both, both are good questions. <laughs> so let's go for both of them. Ah, <laughs> uh, what produces the most interesting stuff? Um, I have to tell you, you know, I, that's a difficult one to answer, but I, um, what I think is most valuable, and again, it really depends on the customer and the workloads that they're utilizing. Um, for some customers, you know, containers, is they, they're all in for containers, so that's going to be extremely useful for them. To me, I like to see what's going on with the servers, right? I want to know where the ports are open. I want to know when something is a little bit anomalous um, because, those servers have been stood up and they operate very critical business services, right? So that's something, but that's not the, you know, discount any of the other workloads that we have. But I, I do see a lot of stuff come through the Defender um, for cloud for the servers quite a bit more than the other stuff. But we, we're talking about Defenders. Um, so at Defender for Cloud also help defend if there is something going on. But yep. it, it also gives us valuable information about configuration that we uh, need to do to uh, hard hardening uh, to do some hardening about uh, on the on the total environment right so through things like uh security score 
and things like this. Um, it's a great way, uh, again, a teaching tool, right? It's a great way to kind of gamify security, right? Um, you can, whatever is connected through Defender for Cloud is going to be represented there in the reporting and the cloud score and things like that, security score to allow customers to identify those potential misconfigurations or something. Um, obviously, the larger and more the organization is and the more workloads that are deployed to the cloud, as we all know, everybody likes to be admin uh, in whatever area that that is. Um, and, and, and unfortunately, not everyone is of the same mind when it comes to security or deployment or what have you. They'll do it differently because they have different beliefs for whatever reason. Um, so it, it's good to kind of expose that stuff and look at that score and look at that environment holistically to determine where um, where there are gaps or where things have been deployed, which you had no idea it was going to be deployed because they're not part of your team, right? They still have appropriate access, but it's not part of your team, but they didn't kind of follow the security guidelines. So security score is one of those things. It's going to show you your, your security posture management today or last week and over time, right? And so this is really great for organizations, particularly those security teams that are tasked with ensuring that the organization is secure because everybody knows on a security team, their manager is going to come to them probably at least once a month. How are we doing? Give me something. I got to go back to leadership and tell them how we're doing from a security perspective. So this gives them the ability to be able to kind of track it over time and hand them a report and say, here's how we're doing. Um, obviously, if they're doing poorly, maybe you don't want to hand them the report, but um, it gives you the ability to be able to uh, accomplish that. Because in the past on premises, you had to deploy a lot of different tools, doing a lot of different things to pull those types of reports together. Defender for Cloud kind of brings all of that together in one in one tool. Um, talking about course that i think cloud security posture management the, the basics that is free to use if you are using cloud services um so i i think definitely if you're using azure um turn turn it on and you get insights about, about uh, the, the current state of your environment and what you need to do isn't it yep that one is free so like i said when you start migrating those workloads to the cloud, enable this, enable the free portion of it. Obviously, yeah, there are, depending on whatever service it is, there are additional pricing. I'm hesitant always to discuss pricing because I'm not a salesperson. Um, uh, it's just, uh, just as soon as I start, I'll screw it up. And somebody will be like, Rod, you need to stop talking about costs. Yeah, that's for me. It's mostly the same because, um, but I, on the other hand, that is what I got. I had the feedback that I get from from some other people. I, Defender for Cloud, I, turn it on. You get insights, and that's in yeah. the that's in the free version. And if you want to use and want to defend, uh, you have to pay for 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 all the other services as well. But yeah, uh, there are definitely there is a lot of you guys from microsoft you have done a lot of effort to make that that the things work so it definitely needs uh, some some prices on that um if we, if we look at the future uh regarding defender for cloud mm. is um, a lot of new services are coming in um within azure within all cl uh, uh, cloud solutions yep. is is there something definitely missing at the moment uh, where you say uh, we need something for that? There has been a huge outcry for the next uh, workload, next service that will be coming out. Uh, I think we're going to announce it around the RSA timeframe. 
I know you all know what it is. I know most people listening. I'm just going to, I don't want to steal their thunder when they make the, I don't want to steal their announcement. So there is something, um, a significant workload that's been in process and been in development for um, quite a while. And I think a lot of customers will be hugely happy to see this uh, announced and released during RSAs. Yeah, a lot of a lot of work is done, uh, not only for a specific workload, but uh, also on the other workloads. Uh, announcements are done uh, still. Um, we're looking still at the future, but not specific Defender for Cloud, but uh, security in general for cloud. Yeah, is there something, uh, or what? Is, what is your vision about the the, the next year? Um. <laughs> In general, so every time I pull up my Outlook every day at Microsoft for the past, I don't know, three months. Okay, everything I see in my inbox is about what? Can you guess? What is it? AI. Yeah. AI. It's artificial intelligence. Um, Microsoft, we have made and we announced it. Uh, our 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 uh, our brand new event what was it two weeks ago now Microsoft Secure our brand new first party event that's going to be annual Microsoft Secure super awesome we announced at Microsoft Secure this upcoming security copilot deal everything that we have so as every security product we have has the word defender on it um, it won't be long that every product we have at Microsoft ends in copilot right so we have Office copilot GitHub copilot security copilot I think you're going to see a lot within the next year because that's where our investments are, not just time and, and, and money, but also development, right? Everything that is going on with Microsoft right now is all focused on trying to figure out how we can best deliver uh, the value of artificial intelligence to our customers through our products in a kind of a seamless way, right? A lot of people look at today like, you know, chat GPT, I'm going to go out and ask it questions. I'm going to get answers to things like this. Over the next year, all these different co-pilots that will show up in our products and our services, uh, I'm, I kind of harken back to <clears throat> the old days when Apple first started. And the whole idea was that technology should just kind of blend into your life, into the background. You should... You, you should be able to use this technology whenever you want, but it just should be part of your life and not something when you have to go get and you have to go use and you have to kind of figure out. And I, and I think that's what's going to happen with AI. There's going to be a lot of things supplied, particularly from a security perspective. A year from now, you won't even think about it anymore. You'll just be going, okay, I need to do this, this, whatever it is, whatever this thing is, is going to supply that information for you or potentially even do it for you in um without you even having to ask or think about it. So yeah, I, I think security is headed down that route as well. It's going to help streamline things. It's going to help customers be more secure, also help educate customers quite a bit more. We talked about Defender for Cloud. I look at these tools as highly, they're tools to be able to educate and build skill sets and knowledge. And I think AI is going to kind of be able to accomplish the same thing. I think you're going to see, um, Utilizing AI for things like um, Copilot for GitHub and and uh, our Visual Studio and Visual Code and things like this. Customers almost over the past two or three years have gotten whiplash on our accelerated development cycle. 
every day, every week, there's some brand new feature or service because, again, we're utilizing this pipeline, the CICD pipeline on developing products and features and stuff like this. It's really helped accelerate development cycles. I believe over the next six months, six months to a year, get ready. Um, it's going to be like a roller coaster ride because th that development cycle, utilizing the power of artificial intelligence, is actually, let's say, double or triple. <laughs> so, customer, imagine a day when you use a product, and I'm not saying it's going to happen. I have no no knowledge of this, but I can just imagine customer because one of my primary roles in my job right now is to engage with the security community engage with our customers and take that feedback from them, the things they like, the things they don't like, the things they would like to see better, take it directly back to the product teams. And we discuss how that we're going to accomplish and deliver that. In the future, customer says, man, it wouldn't it be nice that this thing did this because this is kind of annoyance. And then it just fixes itself for that customer and then potentially for the rest for everybody else. Just imagine a world like that. So I don't know. Maybe that's yeah, too far-fetched, but there's definitely On the other hand, if we can use this technology from the blue team, uh, blue the, the, the blue side, yeah. we can also we can also use that from a red team side, uh, and have people, um, hackers from all over the world, can use also AI, and so make it more difficult. Uh, yeah. to us uh, to defend our customers and our end users. What, what about that, that challenge? What do you think about that? Uh, well, you know, it's really, I think we're at a kind of a junction point here where um, almost anything is possible. Um, but I, but I, I kind of, you know, you kind of have to pause for just a second as well, when you think about this, this is all great stuff, right? And, and the capability that it can bring, um, but you have to be extremely wary and careful. I have to say that um, the things that I'm working on right now, so I'm, I'm the lead on our security AI on my team, and I'm asking those questions. Nobody else has been asking those questions. Um, is AI secure? Can we deliver a responsible AI? Um, how do we, so here's the other thing, right? Is AI secure? Okay, so maybe we can find the answer to that. But how do we ensure that it's secure? How do we monitor that it's secure? Um, does AI get mad when we monitor it? Will it try to hide itself? Will it try to hide what it's doing? Um, there's all kinds of questions that you kind of have to ask. I'm not, and I, and I don't do that in a way to make people fearful because it's not fearful. It's something that we can utilize to our value and um, to, uh, with, you know, exception in our daily lives. However, we still have to ask those questions. And, and, and as long as we have the answers to those questions, I think we can kind of move on. Definitely, definitely. Amazing. I think we can have a full podcast only on the, the AI story besides. Uh, so I have, uh, a, I have a couple sessions at MMS MOA in about three weeks. So I think, I think they're still taking registration for that. So. Yeah, I'll be talking I, about 
probably we can we, we can make an arrangement uh, if we are closing uh, this series uh, within Defender for Cloud. Let's cl- let let's close that one with uh, artificial intelligence and, uh, and and cloud security. And probably uh, uh, Rod can be one of them uh, to to join us again. And probably we can have uh, uh, one or, one or two others from the field uh, to fill that gap in. Also, yeah, that would be awesome. Puyam, do you have one last question? Or are we done? Uh, I think we have covered everything. We went from cloud to on-prem to, to cloud back to recap it a little bit. We uh, we touched a little bit all the uh, defenders within the defender for cloud. Um, also, of course, the, the perfect example on, on Sentinel, how it integrates and, and how what the added value is. I think that was really good to hear. So uh, I think, uh, yeah. From my side, uh, I want to thank Rod for his time. I don't know if you have any questions, Franz. Now, what, what, uh, maybe, uh, Rod, you have uh, one last message uh, for our viewers or listeners uh, regarding cloud security. Well, and, and yeah, I appreciate that because I think it's really, really important to highlight. Um, obviously, we want customers to be successful um, in their operations, right? Um, we want customers, we want to enable customers to be successful in securing their environment. As they are migrating workloads to the cloud, we mentioned it earlier, but do the necessary things, right? It, don't wake up tomorrow and decide I'm moving everything because of some discussion you heard or, you know, oh, the Azure's great or something like this, or maybe some salesperson is like, oh, please do it. I got to meet my quota. Um, do it because it's necessary, but do it securely. We talked about Defender for Cloud today, right? That, to me, as much as I love Microsoft Sentinel, Defender for Cloud is the one thing that I would recommend to customers as they migrate anything to the cloud that they utilize, that they enable and utilize for those workloads and resources. Because, again, that is going to set those guardrails and those guidelines for you to deploy securely so you don't have to worry about it Um, and, and don't have to worry about you know, who has access and what's going on with it and things like that. Uh, again, and it's just going to make you a better organization and uh, more skilled and more knowledgeable about security for the cloud. Nice. Thank you for uh, having you on the, on the show, uh, Rod. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a pleasure to have you. Well, I appreciate it. I, I you know, you can probably tell I always enjoy talking about security in the cloud and yeah, whatever. If you wanted to talk about pop tarts, I could talk about that too. You know that already. Yeah. That's maybe, maybe we can put a link uh, to the pop tarts in the, in, this, in the show notes as well. So uh, nice. I've, uh, and of course, uh, you as a listener or as a viewer, thank you for listening and for viewing to this episode. Uh, see and watch uh, the uh, uh, our stream to see or, or our blog post to see the next recording, um, probably about Defender for Service. Um, if you want to know more about that, tune in next time and uh, let's have a wait and uh, see what comes. Thank you. <laughs>